How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> 9 over 8. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, Super Bowl. Super Bowl coming up week from Sunday. <laughs> These, this is what it's going to be like for the next couple weeks. As Seth, as you know, I get multiple daily updates from, um, among other pop culture news outlets, People yeah. Magazine. And we are into a two-week period where... We're into that whole, like, you dipped your chocolate in my peanut butter. No, you dipped your peanut butter in my chocolate. Like, this is the, the, the entertainment world and the sports world are colliding here like a Reese's peanut butter cup. You know what I mean? Like it's Yes, the Reese's peanut butter cup is what I was thinking of when exactly. you talked about a, a, a peanut in, a, in the chocolate. Peanut yes. butter, yeah, and the people know. They know the old commercial where the, peanut, the chocolate landed in the peanut butter. Anyways... These were it the, just sounds it sounds different uh, orally than it does uh, than it does with the visual with yeah. the visual. My apologies. Yeah. Um, so yeah. the um, these were the stories, the big stories in the world, according to People Magazine yesterday. Taylor Swift and Tony Romo became fast friends on the field after the AFC title game. That was a headline that that Tony Romo, who called Taylor Swift Travis Kelsey's wife. Um, on a broadcast that they became they 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 bumped into each other on the field and they became according to people magazine they became fast friends yeah they uh, became fast friends because they gave a uh, fist bump to each other fist bump in, yeah and, and they, they risked they risked covid sean <laughs> <laughs> or whatever's going around <laughs> the these fist days bump, yeah. yeah yeah so so that was a big story yesterday well they uh okay so this is the thing you gotta remember too there's a little bit of a connection here and that remember tony romo Made a lot of news in the playoffs for going off to... Is this why Jessica Simpson was trending the other day? Was it Jessica Simpson that Tony Romo was hooked up with yes. during the playoffs? Yeah, and they went to the, Cabo uh, together. They yeah. went to Cabo during the bye week and yep. everybody made, made a big hullabaloo out of it. Yep. Is that why Jessica Simpson was trending? Maybe. It was one of those things where I saw Jessica Simpson was trending. I wanted to see why. And I, I, like, I got a bunch of Dude, different crap. I don't know what that's the That's as was. logical a reason as any right now. You know, that... That, that there's a player in the playoffs who has yeah. a, a pop star as a girlfriend. That, that's a logical reason as any. So the whole thing was that Romo, a couple of weeks ago, accidentally called Swift the wife of Chiefs player Travis Kelsey instead of his girlfriend yep. twice. Yeah. And uh, in a video posted on X, Swift and Romo chatted it up on the field at the M&T Bank Stadium after the game as they were joined by Travis's mother, Donna Kelsey, Quote, well, we're doing very different things, aren't we? Swift said as she smiled and turned to Romo. It's a different skill set. Yeah, Romo responded. <laughs> Good job, Romo. <laughs> the witty banter of these celebrities. It's like, uh, Romo. It's like I'm reading something out of The Great Gatsby. Hey, you know? <laughs> ever the conversationalist. That, that, it, yeah. I, it feels as awkward as the Tony Romo-Jim Nance exchanges. I'll say that on there. Uh, so, so there's that. Um, the number two story uh, in the in the world, according to People yesterday, um, Donna Kelsey, the mother of Travis Kelsey, yeah. liked an Instagram post of Travis and Taylor smooching on the field. Uh, that was headline worthy. Travis's mom liking a post on Instagram. So, in case I, I sometimes I look at these headlines, I'm like, really. Oh my yeah. goodness! Just to go, <laughs> do you know oh, the headline writers are that good? Yeah, that you know, yeah. Well, like you I'm, look at it, even though you know it's a silly thing for their. I, 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 I don't, but I know people do. Like I, I'm, I like I don't blame the headline writers. I'm like, yeah. even some of them have to be like, all right, I feel like adult writing this head. People are going to actually click on this, okay? And you know they do. You know what's notable is that Travis Kelsey's mom is 71 years old. 
So there she was. They, she's pretty late in life. She had them, especially for back in the day. Yeah. She was on her upper 30s then. He's 34. Yeah. What's Jason? Jason's like late there. Jason's older than Travis. Yeah. So, so Jason's like. She would have been 36, I guess. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so when, when she had Travis. Yeah. Yeah. Probably explains why he's a little bit off, you know. It's uh, the <laughs> risk. The risk goes up with her. Yeah, he's just uh, Travis is a little bit off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has turned into a Hall of Fame tight end. Physically, it didn't impact him at all. But he's a little off. He so. is a little off. Yeah, he's a little <laughs> off. Um, he would tell you he's a little off. Sure. Um, this was actually, and this was the third one that landed in my inbox from People Magazine. This actually made a lot of headlines on the news and whatnot yesterday. That United Airlines, and they're not the only airline that I saw doing this, but this in this article. United Airlines is paying special tribute to Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift during the Super Bowl. They have created new flight numbers for flights from Kansas City to Vegas. Ooh, yeah, exciting. Yeah, so tell me, Seth, of these flight numbers, which one you would be most likely to want to fly based on your feelings about yeah. Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift? They have a flight okay. number 1989, which Swifties will tell you is oh, the name oh. of... Uh, her album from 2014 that's been re-recorded in 2023. 1989 is one of her most famous albums, Taylor Swift. So of you course, can, of course. So yes, you can fly yes. United 1989. That seems to be just a tribute to just Taylor herself. Right. You have flight number. There's two more. 2287 is a nod to Swift's 2012 hit song, 22, and Kelsey's okay. jersey number, 87. So 2287. Okay. Yeah. Or you can fly a third flight number, 1587, which combines the jersey numbers of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. I'm going to tell you right now, that's the one I'm least likely to fly. This feels like something that, like, did, uh, did, did flight attendants actually get together and threaten to strike if they didn't get this or something? I, 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 don't, I don't like messing with the FAA uh, or anything like that. All yeah. right, this is how accidents happen. This is where Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift end up uh, basically uh, causing a, an airliner to careen into the earth because somebody misidentifies an airplane by the wrong flight <laughs> number or something. This is the havoc that we're allowing these two, this celebrity couple to wreak upon the rest of it. Us, damn it. Yeah. Um, so, that, look, it's good advertising by United. We just talked about them for three minutes. Well, uh, the, the whole thing about um, – remember Taylor Swift in trying to get to the game might have to fly into L.A. and then drive because there's so many private jets traveling into Las Vegas that the airspace and everything – everything's been the, – the number of flights that can be accepted and allowed has been filled up forever. I have a hard time thinking that – Taylor Swift couldn't hop on some Swifties jet that already had a flight planned into Las Vegas. Uh, yeah, I think, right, right. You know? I'm guessing if she went to Instagram and said, can anybody get me from L.A. to Vegas for the yeah. uh, for the Super Bowl? I'm guessing she'd have plenty of volunteers. Yeah, Plus, she could probably she could take a helicopter, too, dude, right? She, she could land out on the outskirts of town or, or something. Or buy a party bus. Like, literally, she could buy a party bus, rent a driver, and sleep on a party bus well, for five hours from L.A. to Vegas if she wanted to. Yeah, I mean that's the that's what people had suggested that she do. Is she's yeah. going to drive that way? I don't know. I, like it seems like if I'm going to because she's got to go from Tokyo to the Super Bowl and then from the Super Bowl, I think she's got a, a string of concerts in Australia. Yeah, so it's going to be she'll travel. be ping ponging about the whole earth. The yeah, poor girl. Yeah, I actually like the drive from L.A. to Vegas. There's uh, there's there's um, not a ton of scenery, but it's desert. It's very peaceful. It's easy to think while you're on that trip because it's yeah. Um, you know, it's desert scenery and there is like this oasis of a town called Barstow, uh, exactly halfway in between LA and Vegas. Like for most of the trip, there's literally yeah. nothing but very impoverished like desert communities. Yeah. But in the middle of California, middle of nowhere, like out of, uh, like out of the sky, ha Barstow and you've got in and out Burger there. You've got all sorts of little chain restaurants there, and you stop and oh, you really? eat and you keep going. Yes. What was the? Do you know why that town is there? I like don't. Why originally it ended up being there and why it lasted? I, I don't. But now you've got me curious, and I'm right. I can't imagine all the peyote has been plucked clean off of like a, a five mile corridor right along that. Along Dude, that yes. Drive. It, it, I'm telling you, thanks, where, Johnny Depp. Where where yeah. it is where it is in California, it feels like okay, there is some sort of nefarious economy going on here like there's not oh, yeah? yeah yeah it's okay. just it's just so in the middle of nowhere you know like it, it's so I, yeah i don't i'm not sure i'm always fascinated by that though ted johnson was always uh when i did the show with him he he was always he's like 
I have, I have this fascination with little small communities in the middle of nowhere. Like, how do these people make their money? Is this just a bunch of money just being traded amongst all these businesses? And Ted Johnson would be like, why do you care? Yeah. <laughs> why do you care about this? Well, this one's pretty, I mean, if it's the one place to stop on the way from Vegas to, to, to yeah, LA and vice yeah. versa, I mean, that's pretty obvious. I guess I just always wonder, like, how did that become the place? Right, right. Well, we have to take a field trip then. To Barstow? On like a Tuesday or Wednesday, yeah. Let's I'm go down. to Barstow. Okay. We'll so. take the helicopter. <laughs> Sounds good to me. It will later lend out to Taylor. Um. Yeah, that, the Taylor Swift, how can she get from Tokyo? That That's going to be one we get tired of, I would say, if we're not already. Uh, by next Sunday, I would say. How's she going to get there? That's a big storyline. There's a story, and um, um, oh, dang it, I'm blanking on the, the Goo Goo Dolls, or the Foo Fighters lead lead singer there, Dave Grohl. Dave yeah. Grohl. Dave Grohl wrote a book, and honestly, it's uh, it's by rock star standards, it's a bit tame as an autobiography or as a memoir, and one of the stories he tells in there is about how he, he had to make it back for his daughter's daddy-daughter dance in L.A. while he was performing in Australia. So he hopped on an international flight, and he happened to have uh, abdominal distension on the flight. Ugh. And uh, that was the big rock star part of it. it uh, Stone Cold sober, sober Dave Grohl sitting on a toilet the whole way oh. from, uh, from Australia. To Dude, the on, an, on an airplane toilet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's kind of nice. It's like, it's nice that he's a nice guy. He's a good dude, you know. Yeah. But it's like a lot of his stories in there are not like your classic rock star stories yeah that one there's not a not a not a single group scene in the whole deal you no, know a lot of the rock star yeah. stories i like to be jealous of the rock star stories that's not one i'm jealous I, of i like to hear something i'm jealous from and then yeah. i like to hear about the fall and then i like to hear about the the reascension the redemption none of yeah. that it's yeah. been a pretty smooth and steady trip for him because he's just such a solid dude um we got this question on the text page because gerard johnson is Getting interviewed for a lot of OC jobs. Do the Texans get a draft pick if Gerard Johnson takes an OC job with a team? It would be a bump up for him from quarterback coach to OC. And what the Texans referring to is the Rooney rule where you get third round picks if you get a minority coach who gets promoted to another job in another organization. It's only for GMs and head coaches. It's not for Can we get a hockey assist on it? That would be awesome if Gerard like, gets promoted to like the Tampa yeah. Bay OC and then he becomes the head coach. Yeah, and like two years later, we get a fifth round pick or something. They're, they're tracking that in the NBA. They got the hockey assist in the NBA now too. They got the secondary assist. Do they? Really? I say we bring it to the Rooney Rule. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. get a secondary assist. <laughs> it might benefit us. Yes. <laughs> I like that. But the answer to the texter is no. Not not unless Seth gets his way and we get hockey. Not until assist. I build Poli in my way into having my own rule. You're going to yeah. have an audience there next week, man. We're going to see a lot of muckety mucks from the NFL floating around Las Vegas. You'll get a chance to. You'll get a chance I, to float a lot of your ideas to people. I got to have Chester pass a word on to Goodell for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, Chester, Chester was. Pitts. Chester was. Chester in the. I've never seen Roger Goodell laugh like that. As he was during the playoffs when Chester was sitting next to Roger Goodell. Was he laughing? And they were, they were laughing about something, and Goodell looked positively giddy. I think that Chester's going to end up having a job in the league office before long. Oh, it certainly looked like he was working on it. I didn't see the laughter that you, that you did. Did it look like genuine laughter or token laughter? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. It looked okay. like they were having a really good okay. time. Yeah. Like, in a way that I've never seen. I've never seen. He's, Roger Goodell did not look like that when he was sitting next to Russell Wilson last year. I'll tell you that much. Okay. You know? okay. Russell Wilson looked like he was stuck at a cocktail party he didn't want to be at when he was next to Russell Wilson. Okay. Yes. Just Chester, it looked like, this guy's all right. This guy's all yeah. right with me. Oh, no. Chester can be very charming. I could see yes, that for yes. sure. I could totally sure. see. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, Mike Sando, when we're talking about the Super Bowl here, um, obviously Patrick Mahomes and his chase for now doing Tom Brady things is going to be a big storyline. Three Super Bowls in four years. Three Super Bowl wins in four years. Um, he would become the second to do that. Only Tom Brady has done it. Um, Patrick Mahomes, conveniently enough, has played in 17 playoff games in his career. So he's played in the equivalent of uh, a full NFL season now in the mm -hmm. postseason. So we can look at his playoff numbers and go, okay, if this were a season, here's what Mahomes would look like. Dude, he's better in the playoffs than he is in the regular season. And this is against good teams. Now, granted, most of them are at home or on a neutral field. Only two of these 17 games are in a true road environment. I think right. that needs to be pointed out. But nevertheless, 14-3, 4,802 passing yards, 458 rushing yards. People forget sometimes. Mahomes, pretty judicious and productive scrambler. 39 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. 
in in the playoffs, and he's better in the postseason, Seth, in practically every every like percentage stat. Like his interception percentage is lower in the playoffs. His D- TD percentage is higher. His passer rating higher. His yards per attempt higher. All in the postseason. Yeah. Um, he is he is making a run really really fast at Tom Brady here. Well, in the end, obviously the Super Bowl victories are the thing that whether you think it's fair or not, it gets used. Yeah, and if if he gets his, if he wins this Super Bowl, he'll still be two years behind Tom Brady in terms of pacing on that. Mm-hmm. But remember, Tom Brady won those three Super Bowls in his first five years, and then he went on a ten year drought. Poor Tom, where all he had was two Super Bowl appearances and losses. But he did go to – he went to five – so Brady went to five Super Bowls in his first 12 years. Mm-hmm. This will be this will be Pat Mahomes potentially winning three Super Bowls in his first seven years. Yep. And then if you look at, like, all the other quarterbacks who have won three or more su- Super Bowls, Brady's the only one that won one after year 11 of his career. Joe Montana won one in his 11th year. Yep. I guess it's it's – it's hard right now to envision Pat Mahomes not winning at least six Super Bowls, but I think the biggest X factor is that that uh, Andy Reid might retire. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like in the, okay, what is is it as simple as all right? You're just going to plug somebody else in there, and they're going to be as complete a team as when you've got Andy Reid, just as it would have been with okay Tom Brady. You know, mm-hmm. obviously won one without Bill Belichick, but I don't know about that extended stretch if he'd had to go through multiple coaches. Well, here's the thing that gets ignored, and, and we'll talk more about this either later in the show or later this week, um, is that while we're all focused on Mahomes and Brady, like Andy Reid is making a run on the outside lane here at Bill Belichick now too. Yeah. And, and 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 Andy, Andy Reid's only won two Super Bowls. Belichick's won six. It's going to be harder for Andy Reid to catch Bill Belichick just because of age. But if if we if we can take a step back and just have a nuanced argument about it and not just treat it as this guy won this many Super Bowls, this guy won this many, so there's no argument. Now six versus two is still a pretty big gap. But let's say Andy Reid wins two more Super Bowls and he wins four. Now we've got sort of a LeBron and MJ thing going on, where yeah, MJ won six, LeBron won four. But LeBron, dot, 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 what I would say about Reed is that unlike Belichick, Reed never really had any extended down periods as a coach in Philadelphia or early on in Kansas City, whereas Belichick has only been a winner with Tom Brady, and that's it. Reed was a winner. Didn't win a Super Bowl, but he won at a pretty high level with Donovan McNabb. Um, He won at a decent level post-Donovan McNabb in Philly before he got fired. Um, with Michael Vick, he turned Michael Vick into an MVP candidate as a quarterback. With Alex Smith, he won at a at a playoff level. Um, Belichick has never been even at a really a playoff level, other than a Mac Jones random season in twenty twenty one without yeah. Tom Brady. That would be yeah. My I know it's just the the hard part about that is just that <laughs> you're t- you're taking such a huge chunk of his career that that didn't that was Tom Brady like he had Tom Brady for the the huge chunk of the best parts of his NFL career. Yeah. Um and like I don't if you look at the other sojourn he had as a as he had that he had as a um as a head coach in Cleveland, you could argue that he was making progress and depending on if it was a different organization or what have you, maybe it would have been different. Um I yeah, I don't know. I just I have a hard time like uh, like separating just acting like the the parts that he didn't have Tom Brady were indicative of how he would have been in his entire career with any other quarterback. Yeah, and I concede Reed needs a couple more Super Bowl wins before you and I could yeah. even have this argument. But I, I, uh, but I, like I, I can't think of a period of time where Andy Reid's been a like where his teams have been bad. I got, I'd have to go back and look. Like he's, he seems like he's always at least been in the like in the playoffs or at least in the playoff mix. But I, I think that's that's kind of the. That gets buried in the Mahomes Brady stuff. Is it Reed is is I think really making a late run here, Belichick. All right. When uh we had a listener, Drew us real quick, uh he said, You guys talk about the topics that you think the fans want to hear about. Where do you get this info from that indicates we want to hear about Taylor Swift? I'd say this, my quick answer. Sean and I generally talk about stuff that actually interests us ourselves, and we hope that our interests align with the with the the, the listeners when it comes to sports type stuff. Like obviously there's a lot of other stuff that interests us that we don't talk about on this show show. But like with the Taylor Swift stuff, I think there's like little oddities about it that yeah. are genuinely interesting to both of us. Yeah. So that's where we uh and, the, and then some of you might despise it, but some of you might be like, Oh yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah. And these are yeah. and these are these actually are big generally speaking, big stories. So yeah, we're not turning don't worry, we're not turning this in listen. 
listen, sweetie, we're not going to turn this into the Taylor Swift show. No. All right? We'll be no. all right. We'll get, back to, we'll get back to your precious Travis Kelsey soon enough. Ross Tucker was on the sidelines for the AFC title game. We'll get his big takeaways from the Chiefs beating up on the Ravens and get his early assessment of Chiefs Niners as well. Our Odyssey NFL insider Ross Tucker joins us next. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and the restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> 9 over 8. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, Payne and Pendergast with you, and let's go to the hotline right now. On the line is our Odyssey NFL insider, Ross Tucker. Insider calls brought to you by Old Spice. Men have skin, too. And Ross was on sideline duties for Westwood 1 on the AFC title game this weekend, and we bring him in right now, Ross Tucker. Hey, Ross, um, Seth and I have been obviously talking about this the, the game you were on sidelines for for the last couple days now, and... I'm curious, as someone who had probably the best view of this game up close, the feeling we you, tell us the the feeling we've had is that it almost like the Ravens were too hyped up for this game, given some of the stupidity that they were executing out there with all the penalties. You were right there on the sidelines. What did you see out there? Did you see anything out there that you thought, man, the Ravens are just they're like they're they're not mentally dialed in today? Well, I do think there's some truth to what you said there, Sean. Um, I guess a couple things really jumped out to me. You know, this was kind of a new spot for the Ravens, right? And it was a big spot. Meanwhile, the Chiefs, you know, obviously they're six straight. And it started early. I mean, you guys saw the video of Kelsey throwing Justin Tucker's helmet. Kelsey was clearly talking to the Ravens early and often in the game, trying to get in their head a little bit. And I think it worked, right? I mean, the trash talking from Kelsey, he didn't get any penalties from it. But the Raven ended up getting the very costly penalty by Kyle Van Noy, which I thought was a good call, by the way. I mean, I know a lot of people thought, ah, you shouldn't call that. But, you know, you're taught as a player, and the officials will tell you, if you come into, a, into the fray, from distance if you're a peacemaker you're fine if you're an agitator or an escalator you're not and van noy came in and was clearly an agitator in that situation and i thought that was noticeable i'll tell you something else you know and this is sort of insight that other people wouldn't know or realize but at halftime i'm walking with tracy wolfson okay as she is interviewing andy reed off camera asking him a couple questions. And this is right after there had been those penalties at the end of the first half, a couple unnecessary roughness, and it got, you know, didn't should be. And Tracy said to Andy Reid, Andy, will you address the chippiness at halftime? And he didn't hear. He goes, what? She said, will you address the chippiness at halftime? And he looked at her and he said, no, I kind of like it. <laughs> which I which I thought was great, like a great answer and also like a pretty good understanding of what the Chiefs were trying to accomplish in the game and almost like it was like part of their strategy. We got him. Yeah, we got him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and it worked. I mean, I think the two things that really – I think the Ravens are a better team than the Chiefs this year, but I think the two things – that really, I mean, obviously the turnovers were big, and we know that. But the, the two things are the Chiefs getting ahead with the first drive touchdown, including going for it on fourth down, yeah. 
and Mahomes throwing it to Kelsey, and then getting that second drive touchdown. I think the two things that really stood out to me, the Ravens have not trailed much this season. Oh, I, I forget what the stat is, but it was like only a couple minutes. They had trailed all season. Even like in their three losses, you know, those games were tied or whatever. Or they had the lead, and then they blew them late. You know, in those three close games they lost earlier in the year when they had their starters in. So I think the combination of the Ravens getting behind, the Ravens being down two scores, things not going well for them, and the Chiefs trying to get under their skin, I think that was a lethal combo for the Ravens and got those guys to do things they otherwise wouldn't have or shouldn't have done because clearly – I mean, even if you take away the the turnovers, which were obviously the biggest difference in the game, three versus none, you know, the Ravens were the team that made the dumb mistakes in terms of stupid penalties and stuff like that, Zay Flowers, Tawning, not the Chiefs. And, you know, the Chiefs are like, they're like the Patriots now when they had Brady and Belichick. You can't do that stuff and think you're going to win. You, you just can't do that stuff. Meanwhile, how about the fact that the Ravens, led the league in opposing team false starts this year with 19. You guys saw that when the Texans came in, they had five of them, and the Chiefs didn't have one, not yeah. one. So the Chiefs played like a team that had been there, had done that, and the Ravens didn't. Uh, the other part that was puzzling to me, and I, you know, I saw Rex Ryan go off on this about how the Ravens were such a good rushing team and they just barely rushed the ball at all. I would go more specific with it and say that the week before when the Chiefs played the Bills, the, the, the Chiefs really didn't have an answer for Josh Allen on designed runs, and the Ravens just didn't even venture into that territory. Were you surprised that, that, there were, that, that Lamar Jackson on designed runs just wasn't even a factor in the game? Absolutely. Well, and if you remember, there was one design run that I remember a quarterback power and he popped it for good yardage. Yeah. You know, yeah. On, on like a third and one or a, a yeah. fourth and one. Um, that, I was stunned. I don't know if they had five or six running back carries. Um, they did not handle trailing and the Chiefs controlling time of possession very well. And they did not handle being down two scores in the second half very well. I am stunned that they didn't run the ball more in general that they didn't give the ball to Gus Edwards more, and that they didn't have more design quarterback runs. I thought it was a major, major mistake by Todd Munkin and very, very, very costly. Ross Tucker, our Odyssey NFL insider. Insider calls, of course, brought to you by Old Spice. Men have skin, too. Um, Ross, let's flip over to the NFC title game. Um, obviously, the big story coming out of that one was Dan Campbell's decisions to go for it on fourth down twice in the game instead of kicking field goals. Where do you come out on that? So the first thing I would say is um, two things. I just posted something on social media about this. So check it out, at Ross Tucker NFL. And I'm writing a longer column about this because I don't you guys think, like, even on the first drive the Chiefs had against the Ravens, they went for it on that fourth and two, and Mahomes was looking right, and he came back to the middle of the field and threw it to Kelsey. Mm -hmm. Teams are going for it in fourth down situations that I swear they never used to go for it before. I mean, it's become more and more common. The thing that really frustrates me with the Dan Campbell conversation is a couple of things. Number one, I hope everybody realizes, and I think, Sean, I saw you tweet this and repost this, and, and Dan has admitted as much, but the decision to run the ball on third and goal at the end of the game when it was less than two minutes remaining on the clock, mm -hmm. you cannot do that. Mm -mm. Like you, that is to me an inexcusable, unacceptable error. That's the one that jumped out to me. We can have a conversation on the two fourth downs where they could have kicked field goals, but I've talked to a couple guys in the league that run analytics departments and create the models for these teams. The first thing that the first thing I'll tell you guys, if you ever hear anybody talk about like the analytics, like it's like the Bible and every team is reading from the same book, that's your first indicator that they don't know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Okay. Every team 
has their own model and or at least they should and what i don't know is like how heavily did the chiefs like it for the chiefs was it just fourth and two at the 28 is a go situation because there's an x percentage chance that we convert the first down and a y percentage chance that we make the field goal is it just that simple or do they take into account that Michael Badgley hasn't been that great this year? Do they take into account how much time's left on the clock? And the big one for me, and here's the big one, and I'll start with the first decision, guys. You know, even if they convert that fourth, let's just say Josh Reynolds catches the pass, yeah. right, which he should have. You know, there's still a pretty good chance on that drive that they have to settle for a field goal. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't know what percentage chance that is, but there is. And then even if they do get a touchdown – my argument is the difference between being up 21 if they end up scoring a touchdown drive versus 17 if they got a field goal, that is not as significant. It, it's three scores either way. Mm-hmm. That is not as significant as the difference between being up 14 like they were if they don't get it or kicking the field goal and going up 17 to make it a three-score game again when you're anticipating at that point maybe – Maybe four more possessions for the Niners it ended up being five because Jameer Gibbs fumbled. But at that point, you got to think maybe four more possessions even for the Niners at that point. So I I I would have kicked the field goals. Um, I hate the conversation in hindsight after the fact when we have access to the results. But the ability to make it a three score game again is so significant that the upside of getting converting it and maybe getting a touchdown isn't worth it. Ross, this is where this is the issue I have with it and the way that people are framing the conversation is like the way you just said it right there, you would have kicked the field goal. Um, or people will say take the points. Badgley Badgley from 45 to 50 yards in his career is a 53% success rate. It's I mean it's a 50-50. So there is no like, well, take the points. Like, no, it's 50-50. And if it's 50-50 there, then he's gonna get the ball on the 38, the you know, the the the, the opponent gets the ball on the yep. 38 yard line. Like it's just I, I see a lot of people saying that it was a no-brainer to kick the field goal without mentioning just how bad the kicker is. No, so it was not a no-brainer, and I'm okay with the decision either way. And I would love to know how much the Lions you know, how they weight their kicker, right? Like in in their model, how much of it is the lack of success he's had, what you just said, how much of it is how much time's left on the clock, how much of it's the two score versus three score. Because it can't just, my thing is, it can't just be fourth and two from the 28 is a go. Yeah, you it's have not to easy. Take you know, that's account. the thing. You're exactly right. Like there, the like people that I, I think sometimes these ESPN writers and everything put these charts up there, and people assume that the teams are just going off of these generic charts that aren't They're individualized not. for their own guys. Yeah, and that that's just as I understand it, that's simply not the case. No, no, no. They all have their own models. Yeah, which yeah. is why, like, I appreciate what ESPN is trying to do when they say on Monday Night Football, the analytics say go. They're making it sound like there's only one analytic, like there's only one model. Yes, like that—that's not the case. The ESPN—they they need to emphasize, and I think I think Joe Buck's doing a good job. But they need to emphasize our in-house ESPN analytics say this decision to go. Guess what? I am extremely confident that ESPN's in-house analytics do not take into account who the kicker is yeah. or time left on the clock. Or it, if it's a difference between a two-score game and a three-score game. Or late in the game, if it's a difference between tying the game or not. Interestingly, you know, one of the guys that, that heads up a team that I was talking to, he felt like, you know, uh, the right decision with the first one was to attempt the field goal. You know, I won't say kick the field goal, set, but you know what I mean, attempt the field goal. Yeah. He felt like the second one he thought the way the game was going and the way the Lions weren't able to stop the Niners, he liked going for the second one more because his point was even if he makes it, which there's a pretty good chance he doesn't, but even if he makes it and ties it, they haven't stopped the Niners all half. 
So you're, you're, you're tying it basically to set up the Niners to go, go ahead and get the go-ahead score anyway. Yeah, and that and yeah, that's, that's a, yeah, that's been my point too. Is that like you still have to win the game? Yeah, like it's I, I feel like we dealt with the same thing uh, when Lovey Smith uh, like went for two at the end of last year's game, where people were acting like if he had kicked the field goal, it was the same as losing the game. Like yeah. no, it's that's a tie game at that point. The game hasn't been decided yet. It's uh, yeah, it's it's not the end of it. Isn't that you tied the game and then there's nothing left to do? Yeah, I mean Dan Campbell but, said as much. He said we were trying. Yeah. They, they were moving the ball on us. We felt like we needed to go ahead, not tie the game at that point the goal is to win the game yeah. the goal is not to tie the game if yeah. you tie yeah. the game you then go into overtime on the road against a more talented heavily favored team like that's not what you like you the goal is to win the game not to tie the game not to try to get the game into overtime Ross Tucker is our Odyssey NFL insider. Insider calls brought to you by Old Spice. Gentlemen's Blend Body Wash providing exfoliation plus 24-7 moisturization because men have skin too. Ross, you're going to be in Vegas, right? I am, yes. Getting there Sunday and I'll be there till late Thursday night. Okay. Because then I have to, um, I was going to be there till late Friday night. But my daughters have a daddy-daughter dance at their new school Friday night. Oh, I'm not missing you. that. Oh, that's good. You're just that's just like the story in the Dave Grohl book. Yes, that I read same earlier. exact thing. Hopefully, Ross's yeah. flight is better than Dave Grohl's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dave Grohl had diarrhea on a flight from Australia. <laughs> so you but, for his daughter's so, recital. <laughs> Ross, how do you feel about coming to see us on Radio Row at 5:40 a.m. local? <laughs> uh, very, very good, actually, yes. because my recording time is 5 to 7 a.m. for my podcast set um, oh, awesome. for the Ross Tucker podcast. So 5.40 might not work because I might be doing my stuff, but um, the answer is I'll already be there and I'll be up early so we can definitely get together in person. Okay, good. Sweet. Good, good. Well, we'll figure that out then for sure. Ross Tucker, our Odyssey NFL insider. Ross, we appreciate you. We'll see you in Vegas. Yeah, I can't wait. Vegas, baby. Vegas. Vegas. Yep, that's there. it. All right, see you there. Appreciate you, Ross Tucker, the great Ross Tucker, joining us here on Sports Radio 610. All right, um, top of the hour, our 8 at 8. We'll get to the headlines. Eight stories to get your day going. Mike Sando, in his Monday column yesterday, had some numbers in there related to the AFC title game, and he has me thinking, man, we are way better off with C.J. Stroud than the MVP of the league right now. We'll have that for you next. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, so um, pretty excited to have C.J. Stroud as the uh, quarterback here, I would say, right? We, we, we like C.J. Um, and Lamar Jackson is going to be the MVP of the league this year. But in reading, reading Mike Sando's piece, Seth, uh, his, his Monday pick six, um, look, Lamar Jackson had a great season this year. It's going to get harder and harder for Baltimore to build a team around Lamar Jackson because his cap numbers are going to go way, way up. He's had the benefit of a great defense while he's been there. You know, Mike Sando makes the comparison of Peyton Manning to Lamar Jackson because it took both a long time to get to an AFC title game, Peyton Manning with the Colts. Peyton Manning did it without a good defense, though. He had the, they had the 29th-ranked scoring defense over his first six seasons. Lamar Jackson's been on a team with the second-ranked scoring defense, so he's had a lot of help. Over and, the course of – that's been the average? Yeah, for Peyton – Over the course of – Yes, I'll read you the first, sentence. Manning's Colts ranked 29th in scoring defense over his first six seasons, while Jackson's Ravens ranked second since he became the starter in Week 10 of the wow. 2018 season. Damn. So as a result, he doesn't trail very much. And Ross Tucker just talked about this, like this. And I don't know how you simulate this. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's actually like uh, intuitively, it's a good thing that you're on a team that rarely trails. It means you're a dominant football team. Yeah. However, I think there is something to not being comfortable in that sort of ecosystem where you're in a game where you're trying. It's why the Texans took the ball first against the Ravens, so they could go get a lead. They won the toss and took the ball against yeah. one of the best defenses in football. Because the game script for the Texans, as it is for most teams that succeed against the Ravens, is to get a lead against the Ravens, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. So I, this is where I read all this stuff about Lamar Jackson, and he, he, he didn't throw a pass trailing by more than eight points all year. And once he did in that game against the Chiefs, 
He looked jittery. He looked shaky. He looked hesitant when he was dropping back to pass. There was plenty of times there where he dropped back and he was waiting, waiting, waiting. And the Lamar Jackson that we watched in the regular season would have taken off and run. And for some reason, he sat back there still trying to find open guys that weren't there. And look, I know it wasn't CJ's best day in Baltimore when they lost to them. But there was never a point in that game where I'm like, boy... Like CJ looks like the moment's too big for him. You know what I mean? Like you're right, right, he, yeah. You know, and like, there, I, yeah, and I think that what you see in the playoffs too is that everything just gets refined and crystallized, yeah. and whatever little flaws that you have are gonna come to the surface theoretically, or they, over time they definitely do. And I think the the one unnamed coach in here that I, I think said it accurately. He said, Lamar got a lot better this season. I thought he got more accurate, and they gave him more easy completions. He's still not naturally accurate, and I think the more sped up he gets, the less accurate he is. The problem is the highs and the lows, and then he went on. But I think that like, that's where you, you saw that Lamar not being genuinely pinpoint accurate came to hurt if, if especially he's he and Todd Monken were hesitant to turn him into a runner. I, that's For the life of me... If those two were like fighting against some narrative or something, if Monken and Lamar Jackson just needed to prove that no, he's going to do it mostly with his arm, they got to get over that attitude. Like you're you're allowing the Bill Polians of the world to dictate whether or not you're trying to really win a football game. Josh Allen had destroyed the Chiefs with designed quarterback runs the week before. It was really the only good thing the Bills had going versus the Chiefs defense. And and they barely tried it at all with the Ravens. They had the one QB power that worked. And beyond that, it was it was scrambling that was limited, I understand, because the the Chiefs did a really good job of containing Lamar Jackson within like making it hard for him to just pull down and run. Mm-hmm. But it felt like even after he passed the line of scrimmage sometimes, he like had his head on a swivel to an extreme degree and was almost looking for reasons to go down instead of just taking off and, and, and destroying them when he had opportunities to. It was weird. Yeah. Was really weird. I, I get, my, my big takeaway in this is if I'm a Texan fan and I'm watching that game on Sunday and then I'm reading some of the, some of the comments that Seth just read from these coaches and then just the sheer numbers of it, of how Lamar performed and, and how, how he performs when, when he's trailing. And this has been a theme with Lamar, not just this year, but throughout his career, that if he's trailing, it's, it's much, much harder. I'm so much more comfortable with C.J. Stroud as the quarterback of my team than I think Baltimore Ravens fans feel. If the goal is to win a Super Bowl, yeah. saying the goal is to yeah. win a Super Bowl, look, the Ravens are going to win 12 games every year probably with Lamar as their quarterback, or, or they'll be competitive every year. I, I Look, C.J. has proven he can win games different types of ways. Like it, it, Trailing's not a big deal to him. He's got the skill set to come from behind. Plus, he's just a rookie. Like he's, There's still things he's going to develop on, whereas I – like I, I – we might have hit the ceiling with Lamar Jackson here, right? I, I, well, this is one thing. One of the uh, one of the anonymous coaches in here, a defensive coach, said something that at first I thought it was a prescription, which and it sounded odd for a football coach, but I think he was more. He's talking about these tiers of quarterbacks where you know Pat Mahomes is in a tier above Lamar Jackson right now, and he says one way to clean up those tiers is to let those guys play when they have to pass. They will reveal themselves in those situations. And I'm like, okay, I don't, I, are you advising that the Ravens should just like toy with their prey somehow and like allow them to get, allow right. the op- opponent to get up a couple scores yeah. or something? I don't, yeah, please present me with the, with the football coach who's going to operate that way. And I think you, I don't think he meant it quite that way. I think he was just saying that like, this is what happens in the playoffs. They reveal themselves. I, yeah, I don't like, what's the solution to getting Lamar Jackson better at playing from behind. Yeah. And if they're just going to be so dominant in the regular season. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, good point by a texter. Lamar didn't play terrible Sunday. He had an interception and a lost fumble. Would have had another interception if he wasn't superhuman. That's true. Yeah. The deflected pass. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the texter points out, here's the thing, and I thought this too during the game as well on Sunday. When Lamar was taking deep shots, he had open guys. Those yeah. are throws that, that C.J., more often than not, drops in the bucket. More often than most quarterbacks drops. I mean, yeah. it's not eighty percent or anything like that. But there, Lamar took four or five deep shots, and I'm and they were all overthrown. They were all incomplete. And it I'm going, never okay, felt close. Yeah, like, it never felt close. It C- never felt like, oh yeah, he just missed it a little bit or yeah, anything. Yeah, CJ gives his guy a chance on nearly all those throws. I think. Yeah, gives him a chance. You know. Yeah, that's um, it was like he he just 
he he was not nearly up to the same level as the opposing quarterback, no. which isn't that's no sin, obviously. Um, but it was it was way more of narratives fulfilled than it was defying the narrative. Yeah, and I think a lot of. I actually, I genuinely feel bad for Ravens fans because Ravens fans felt, a lot of them felt like, okay, that Texans game in the playoffs was where Lamar Jackson proved that, okay, yeah, it was all bunk and garbage what they had said about him before. And realistically, now it just maybe looks like that that one game that he had won a couple years ago where, okay, okay, he's not as bad as a lot of people want to say, but man, he certainly is not at the level that, that you'd hoped he would be in the playoffs. Right, right. Like, I think we're learning that that Texans game was probably, that the divisional round game was probably more about the Texans than it was about Lamar. Yeah. You, you, yeah. Know, you know, I, I think that's what we, I think that's what we learned. That's a tough thing if you're the Ravens, man. Like, when you've got a, a, a quarterback, and Sando points this out, like, over the next handful of years, his cap hit's going to be anywhere from the high 30s, millions, to it peaks out at like seventy four million bucks. Now they can rejigger those numbers with extensions and things like yeah. that and so forth. But that's a tough thing, Seth, when you've got a quarterback that occupies that much of your cap space and the games have to play out a certain way for you to win those games. You don't have one of those guys like a Mahomes or an Allen or a Burrow or I think ultimately CJ where, okay, well we fall behind by ten points. Not the end of the world. We've got this guy and he but, you know yeah. I mean, you know what though? Like, like I said, you would no football coach would ever try to get a ten point deficit, and yet maybe that ends up being the best thing for Lamar Jackson. Yes, is in Todd Monken himself too, because it looked like the play calling as well as the quarterback play just they panicked a little bit that they were down so substantially so early in the game to a team that has a really good defense, and they started thinking that they had to score in leaps and bounds. The crazy thing though too is that it's been proven time and time again that Lamar Jackson with his legs can be more explosive than some of the most explosive passing games in yes. the league. Yeah. Like you just it's not just a given that oh well, now it's time, now it's time to go to the passing game because we need to be explosive. Yep. And you also when it's the first quarter, you don't need to be explosive. There's plenty of time here. I the, the most and that goes back to John Harbaugh and everything else. I I think I'm I'm a little bit amazed that maybe the Ravens didn't have faith that their defense was going to figure it out. Because that's a hell of a good defense. And they did figure it out. It took took longer than they would have thought and expected. But that defense did figure it out. Yeah. Just have some faith in that defense. My God, they were awesome. Um, C.J. Stroud, commercial era has started. I, To my knowledge, I would not seen C.J. in any commercials uh, until yesterday. Now, he probably did some in Ohio State. He did a lot of NIL stuff with car dealerships and local businesses up there. If he did, I never saw any of those ads. But this popped up on my uh, Twitter timeline yesterday. C.J. Stroud, Cheeto spokesman. Somebody's out of Buffalo Wings. Number two NFL draft pick, C.J. Stroud. And the second best Buffalo thing. Second best is the best. Okay, so that... What's a, going on there? It's a 15-second ad. Okay, I'll replay it. I probably should have set that up better. So C.J. is sitting somewhere remotely by himself, and he gets this signal from above that somebody has run out of Buffalo Wings. Mm-hmm. So he spontaneously combusts... And then pops up in this guy's living room with some buffalo wing flavored Cheetos. And I think the thing he's saying at the end is, you know, they're making fun of the fact that he was the number two overall pick. And CJ is saying, well, the number two, you know, basically saying the number two overall pick is here with the second best solution for someone who needs buffalo wings. Aside from the wings themselves, buffalo wing flavored Cheetos. One more time, Ben. Somebody's out of buffalo wings. Number two NFL draft pick, C.J. Stroud. And the second best Buffalo thing. Second best is the best. Yeah. And they give a this promo is, code uh, after that or something, yeah. Good for him. Uh, you know, it seems like teleportation seemed to be a big theme with uh, the athlete commercials the last year or two. Teleportation and then also the switching of bodies, big style. Yeah. The, the, they brought back a lot of that from the 80s. Isn't Justin, doesn't Justin Jefferson get teleported into somebody's living he, room or something? I think he does. Yeah, I think, yeah. I, think, I think he does. It's good. I was. Uh, I mean, it's a very short ad, but I was, uh, you know, CJ, who's usually a very serious guy, right? I was. I always yeah. wondered, like, He's going to get some commercial opportunities. Will he have the acting chops to live up to, like, say, a Baker Mayfield? It's only a 12, 15-second ad, but I think he did a good job. He had the had the right energy. We've seen it in press conferences. He loosens up sometimes yeah. and laughs a little bit. And then he goes right back to being kind of stoic. Yeah. yeah. Which he so, just, Yeah, I think, he'll, uh, I think he'll be good. Yeah. I don't, he's got... You know he's he's got he's from SoCal. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the, I feel like the, the guys that grow up in Southern California, they just have a natural, it's almost like by osmosis or something, they end up having a little bit of ham to them. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like tra- uh, Travis Johnson. I don't, you know, Trav- <laughs> a little. Travis, it's like Travis it works in Hollywood or yes. something. Yeah. Various celebrities would come by, uh, like then and now, when he was a player or now, and he just seems to know everybody. Dude. I could see CJ ended up being kind of like that guy. Yeah. Radio not, Row. not the same personality as Travis, but just maybe because he's around Southern California yeah. in the off season and everything, he's, he rubs elbows with various people. He's going to get to be known. Travis Johnson knows everybody. It's incredible. Yeah. It really is incredible. All right, let's get to the uh, eight at eight, eight stories to get your day going. The Ocho, as we call OJ it. OJ Simpson was another one, too. Yeah, yeah. Whatever happened to that guy? How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and the restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future, in vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.